Welcome to The Corner, La Source's digital show dedicated to the sport and entertainment industry. Every two weeks, we invite a professional to share their experience, background, and challenges. The sport industry moves fast, and having their insights is the best way to keep up to speed. Welcome to The Corner. Welcome, everyone, for this new episode of Le Corner International. Today, we are very happy to welcome Alison. Hi, Alison. How are you? Hi, I'm very well. Thank you. Thanks very much for the invite. Well, we're very happy to have you here. Um, I usually like letting my guests do the intro of themselves rather than try to do a, an unprecised uh, presentation of them. So happy for you to take over the mic to give a quick introduction to yourself, your role, your background uh, for everybody to get to know you. Brilliant. Thank you. So yes, I'm Alison Crow. I am Director of Digital and Data at the ECB, so the England and Wales Cricket Board. I have been in this role for the last four years, so joined at the start of 2020. And the role is really wide ranging. So I have a, a really brilliantly broad remit across the portfolio of cricket. So that is everything from the England elite teams through all of the domestic men's and women's game, the 100, and then into recreational cricket. So all of the grassroots cricket that's um, played by adults and, and children around the country. And then in terms of what that means from a digital and data point of view, so that covers probably five broad areas. So all of the digital content that we create and produce, um, both for ourselves and for our commercial partners, um, digital products, so the, the website and app digital ecosystem, um, the analytics side of things. So obviously looking at how everything performs and how we can improve as we go. Um, data in terms of first party customer data as well. So what has once been referred to as kind of the big data side of things. Um, and then customer support as well. So we have, um, a customer support team that, that helps an enormous amount of people across the game. Again, a lot of that in the recreational space. Um, but a team that's, that's looking after their interests, whether they've got a query about uh, taking part in an umpiring course or something to do with the safeguarding or they need a little bit of help accessing one of our products. So that's essentially um, the, the remit of what I do. And it, it's quite interesting because this is my first role within the sports industry. So I think part of, part of the reason um, for bringing me in was that I didn't have a sports background that have come from a lot of different other industries and, and can bring some of that experience with me. So I've worked for some of your larger organizations, Thomson Reuters and Credit Suisse in the financial services side of things. Um, I spent eight years at Channel 4 working on the largely the digital side and the evolution of for On Demand. I've also worked for Hayes, which is a global recruitment organization, again, very much in the of digital data CRM space. And it was that that set of skills and experience and knowledge that really kind of opened up the opportunity for me at the ECB. 
Um, and I've always been a cricket fan. So it was brilliant. I was going to ask, brilliant you, opportunity. you arrived in the sports industry, but are you a sports fan to begin with? Or did, did, did they deliberately choose somebody that didn't like sports to bring everything without the fan angle to it? I th yeah, I think that might have been a step too far. Um, so I'm abs absolutely a sports fan. And I suppose didn't ever really think about the sports industry as a as somewhere that I could have a career so the fact that the role came up when it did was was absolutely brilliant and I'm just just delighted to be part of this industry now I, I will say that it's not very uh, very a uh, very linear process come to get to the world of source because just starting with the beginning how do you move from Reuters or Credit Suisse to Channel 4 and then afterwards you go to a recruitment firm which is something completely different to then move back in the sports industry like how how did you shape that journey and was the objective always to be in in digital and sports or digital or how did you how did you arrive here I, yeah I suppose there's never really been a, a goal in mind um it's been more of a case of the the skills that I had working because I suppose a technology area to start with um and then that morphed into digital as what was being termed kind of web point Web 2.0 and new media back then was starting to take off. So it's been more about the roles that I've done that have been able to kind of cross over into different industries as opposed to having, you know, particular knowledge or, or a particular drive, I suppose, at, at when I was at Credit Suisse going next, next thing I want to do in my career is get into broadcasting. That was never really part of the plan. It's been more that there's been really, really interesting roles. That I've been able to progress into. Yeah. And I guess you got to digital in Channel 4 when they were starting to transition. Absolutely. And we arrived at the ECB just pre pandemic. Uh, yes. <laughs> to set up things, you know, in this uh, very special world uh, that, that, that was the world back then. And so, how did, how did you manage to first shape your vision? How did the, how were the first days? How did you manage to set up the team and the workflows and everything you wanted to do in the, during that period? And what is your day-to-day -day like now? So, I mean, the, the digital team existed already, which was brilliant. Um, and, but it was obviously a massive shock to then go from what was an in-person business and used to putting on events in stadia for people to attend to after eight weeks of working there, everyone being sent home adapting to working on Teams and Zoom, as everyone around the world did, um, and then thinking about, what, you know, what does this mean? So it was probably, it was pretty unsettling for a little while, but actually digital content was really one of the only outlets we had to be able to continue to connect with fans. So there was always an importance put on on my team in terms of how are we going to keep fans engaged what content are we going to produce whilst there was a lot of work going on behind the scenes around when could cricket start again um, and so it was the first sport to come back on an international sense with some behind closed doors fixtures and again a couple well people in the events team from the ECB but a couple of people in my team were then in bubbles Um, so we're, we're lucky in that there were two venues in the UK that had hotels on site. So the the matches between England and West Indies men were housed in those two venues. But for the people involved, it was really intense period of time. Um, obviously, all of the restrictions that were in place, but 
but being in in those bubbles as well and, and not able to to go out of them um, for quite a long period of time is actually quite draining, quite exhausting for people involved. Um, it was obviously brilliant to be able to have cricket back. Um, and I think we all got used to working on Teams and Zoom and being effective and being able to, you know, continue with, with what we had to do. Um, but that then we, we cancelled what was going to be the inaugural year of the 100 competition in 2020 because of the pandemic. So that was due to start in 2021. Um, but trying to organise everything that needed to be done for that without knowing what restrictions were going to be like for venues, whether fans would be able to return to actually watch, was actually the, the hardest part of the preparation during that time as well. So we had we always think of things as in a in a triangle in at that period of time. So we had the digital side, the broadcast side, and the in person side. Um, and it was only when, kind of a few weeks before, that it became clear that people would be able to actually go and, and watch in real life when some of those restrictions were lifted. So from a digital point of view, we really had to make sure that we were going to be able to connect the competition with fans. Um, because for so many of them, that might have been the the only way that they would have been able to experience it. Yeah, but interesting. And, and did you have some good takeaways from that period, or is it something where now that it's behind us and that we were all vent, you know, like saying, "Oh, it's great because it changed workflows, mindset, approaches." Do you think it actually made any significant significant difference in the way big organizations understand and value digital, or it's been an on it's been a linear journey since then i think it's it was certainly valued anyway it's possibly accelerated its importance i think um and so kind of thinking about our digital strategy and what content should go on which channels um what's important for the audiences who are engaged with that content on those channels and just really clarifying i suppose the making sure we are creating the right content and put it to, putting it in the right places for people. So not necessarily expecting fans to come to our website. Um, we're not always going to be able to drive people to do that, but we should be thinking more about where they're consuming content and therefore what, what makes sense to do. I suppose that other things like changing landscape of social channels has made a bit of a difference in that time as well. So launch of TikTok, for example, um, but also live streaming really became important for a lot of fans because that again that was the only way they could consume some of the content. Um, so that was an area that took on an awful lot of importance for us, um, and the fact that we were able to show all of the um, county games um, via live streams, both on on county channels, on our website and app. And make sure people could just stay connected. And that's interesting. That's an interesting one. The, the the content topic, right? Because I would say that cricket is a very traditional game, long formats, and the newer generation is all about short format content on you know social media platform. What is the type of consumption that you guys are looking at, and how do you adapt a very traditional sport in terms of and and the first pillar you mentioned working on was content. So how do you adapt to it? What are the formats that work well, and how do you make sure that you get the new generation on the platforms through the new formats of content that work well uh, yeah, to the younger audiences? 
Yeah, so I think there's obviously been, there was a period of time where it was very much about um, highlights and clips only. Um, and that has definitely evolved as well as access to players means there is opportunity to create content that's a bit more narrative driven or personality based. And the research that we have done and continue to do with our fans is gives us a really good insight into the type of type of content that people are looking for. So I guess we think about fans on a bit of a spectrum from high affinity fans who are, have always been kind of interested in, in the game, potentially the longer formats, um, first and foremost, through to the newer fan end of the spectrum. So people who've never been to cricket before, um, but a large amount of these fans have now come into the cricket ecosystem through the hundred. And the hundreds um, premise was built on attracting a new fan base. So thinking about some of those things you've mentioned, so that the kind of time it takes for a, a game to elapse, um, making sure it's attractive to new generations. So getting people interested into the game, not expecting them to come and sit through four or five long days of cricket. Um, the, the kind of sport meets entertainment factor, making this kind of box office family day out experience, things like that. And so obviously working with that spectrum is really helpful to then think about the types of content that that we might want to create. And some of it will be longer interviews with past players. And that has an audience, generates interest and keeps um, some of our kind of traditional fan based in, fan base engaged. Some of it is much more short form. So we're we're focusing now on vertical video because that is the way that people are starting to consume content, um, thinking about what's going to resonate on TikTok. And particularly if there is a slightly younger and more female audience there as well, how we can create content that gets them interested in, first of perhaps first and foremost, the players and then also cricket and the game itself. Um, so there's, yeah, there's quite a lot of thought, I suppose, that, that goes into how we create content that works across the portfolio um, and maximizes these different formats. And, and it's a funny thing. Everything I come, every time I come to England and, you know, the, the best afternoon possible for a lot of people that are a cricket fan is the afternoon at the ground. Take the time to enjoy it. Have a few beers. Like the length is part, part of the charm. And on the other side, there are all the formats of T10, T20. Are your content concepts the same on all the on the different disciplines or are they different and you were you started alluding to the hundred yes it has been groundbreaking in what regards because one of the key elements you're working on is data has it been groundbreaking in terms of total volume in terms of renewal of fans in terms of managing to keep the older fans and bring in some new ones like how has it been groundbreaking in that way yeah across a number of those i suppose to start with within the first year uh, there was an element of appealing to existing cricket fans, but saying to them, you know, this this might this isn't going to be the same as a, a long afternoon out with your mates. Um, so why don't you bring someone new to the cricket, bring your family? And it's creating a totally different atmosphere within the ground, uh, really noticeable. And so that that was, I suppose, the the early stages of thinking about that new audience and over time the demographic of that audience has 
increased even more so in the direction of female ticket buyers and juniors who are attending. So again, that all kind of feeds into this this very different audience. I think one of the other things that we um, emphasised with the 100 and, and COVID changed this to some degree as well, is making it a digital first competition. So digital first as opposed to digital only, though, which is an important point. Um, but things like ticketing have changed radically over the course of the last five years. And audiences and, and consumers in general are now much more used to having digital tickets, whether it's to go to the theatre or a music um, event or sport. And so that was that was one of the big changes um, that we introduced as part of the hundred. Um, again, has, has had a, an astonishing impact, and just the ability to have your tickets easily in your app, which you can then share with other people, um, has has really made made a difference. Yeah, and I definitely want to go down the product route as well. Yeah. But one last question on the content side of things is. One of the topics is always how do you set up your strategy in terms of what content goes to social media and what content goes to your platform? Because ultimately, the objective is everybody's been chasing the eyeballs on social media. They're obviously fundamental, but it's also now about the first party data that you're acquiring on your users and how you funnel them down to your platforms. How do you go about your strategy on content to make sure to win the eyeballs yet funnel them down onto your proprietary platforms. Yes, and that is really critical, I suppose, to what we've been doing over the last four years. So it's been very much a focus on growing that first-party data. And so we did some kind of early focus groups, or early in terms of my tenure, around what the value exchange would be for fans in order to sign up and, and give us their data. Um, and And then started experimenting. So we like to test and learn things. We, we want to do some more of that, really, in terms of enhancing user experience, um, but really starting to put some premium content behind a registration wall and see whether there was enough value in that for people to sign up. And so that, that has really come to fruition. So users are signing up for perhaps priority access for tickets, for premium content that they wouldn't otherwise be able to get access to live streams. We have been able to live stream some of England away tours um, and people are, are very willing and happy to provide their data in order to access some of that. What we've also been able to do is is share um, some of those, well, a lot of those data records with our county partners around the, around the network. So if someone signs up and says, well, actually, I'm a fan of Hampshire, we're then able to, with all the appropriate consents and, and data protection in place, um, shared that record with Hampshire. Um, so there's there's been a, a real focus on that. Um, we do try to use social media more and more in terms of teasing some of this content as well. So we created a well a couple of original series last year um, during the Joint Ashes summer, one with the England men's team, one with the England women's team, um, and then tease that content on social media as top of the funnel, like you say, to try and encourage people to then come through to our platforms um, and sign up. And so we are thinking about acquisition all the time, thinking about the database, where our fans are. So a lot of them UK based, a substantial amount overseas as well. 
And then so focusing on that UK audience, are they marketable? Can we contact them about tickets, about promotions, about merchandise, um, about content? Um, and then how engaged are they as well? So it's not just about acquisition, but also thinking about how do we retain them, keep them engaged, um, keep them keep them coming back. Um, obviously, the 100 side, um, you need to have an account in order to purchase tickets. So that is a, a kind of different acquisition funnel. Um, but again, extremely effective in terms of the, the sellouts of the venues that we've seen over the last three years. Well, that's super interesting. I was going to ask afterwards, you know, how do you, you know, what happens after the u- user acquisition process, right? Once people get on the platform, but love that you were working on capturing the first party data, but you're already at that point where a lot of people are asking, hey, my key thing is what is the second action of a user on my platform to make sure that, hey, I'm starting to drive valuable first party data to narrow down and understand what my user will be wanting from here on. And so in that scenario, I'm curious to understand a little bit the the technical background behind it, because as you mentioned, there's a lot of platforms uh, within ECB uh, for the different for your different topics. But what does it mean behind the scene? Do you have a centralized SSO? Do you have the same CRM for all platforms? Do you have the same CDP? How do you actually structure it behind the scene to make sure that wherever ultimately a cricket fan is, you are able to speak to him the right way and are able to capture the the, the information that you want uh, from him? It's exactly that. So we, I mean, I'd love to say it was a beautifully seamless ecosystem, um, but it's it's not not always the case, but we are really proud of the steps that we've taken to, to create um, effectively a really seamless process for a lot of our fans. So single sign-on is at the, is at the core of that, as you've identified. And so we've been introducing that across our products um, over the last few years so that it now does sit across a large percentage. And notably, that's the kind of ECB properties, that's the 100 properties, and it's our recreational kind of play cricket properties. So if you are um, a player, if you're an adult player, if you're also a parent um, whose child is playing, um, you you are also a fan of England men and you buy tickets and you've also been coming to the 100, it's the same credentials that you need in order to access all of those elements. And I think that's really critical because we shouldn't expect fans to have 10 different usernames and passwords in order to get into all the various touch points that they have. We've still got work to do. It's not 100% complete, but we've made really good progress and i think it's really important if you are interacting with cricket across multiple touch points like that example i've just said or if you do it once a year you have a single touch point once a year it should be a brilliant user experience so we try and make it as as seamless as possible um and obviously have customer support behind this as well um things like crm so that that second touch point someone might have with us should be a really excellent welcome journey. So they know they've arrived within ECB and they've got options in terms of how they can engage with us further. And we're we're doing quite a lot of work on that at the moment. And also just working with our county network as well to think about if we if someone has signed up as per the example I gave and they are a Hampshire fan, what their next interaction 
could then be from Hampshire. So it's really starting to think about how we join up cricket more broadly for our fans and consumers, um, make it sensible for them to understand and start to personalise a bit more. So this is always, you know, all, all sports are trying to do this. Um, and and it's not something that you can do in a big bang way, I don't think. Um, but over time, we're starting to introduce ways in which the user experience becomes better for people. Yep. And it's interesting. I, I like this. <clears throat> I like that you were talking about the, how you brought the ticketing to be very digital, so that people authenticated in one single platform, so that everything started going in one direction, right? And I was trying to summarizing it, su- summarize it for myself. One thing that is super interesting is that you're connecting the amateur journey as well as the fan journey inside one single workflow, which I think is. I don't know in, in on the UK market, but I can't think of uh, on the French market an organization that does both the data capture of your amateur workflow alongside your fan journey all as one single point of uh, you know convergence of the data. So that's super interesting, and I so I can see how practically you're making it as practical as possible for a user journey of a cricket fan follower player yeah. to be seamless and, and centralized. Um, that's right. Um, and I suppose we're lucky in that all of the sport sits underneath the governing body. So not all sports are able to do this in the first place because they don't have um, control or jurisdiction over all of the different elements. Um, but we, yeah, we think of it as a kind of play, follow, attend model. And so we know that some of our fans are also players and therefore we should be making this a really positive experience for them. Yeah. And so that's super interesting. And we talked a little bit about the content and how you put your strategy in place between social media and what comes on your platform as well. I'd love to talk a little bit about the experience because one of the things I always think about as a fan and obviously as an entrepreneur in that space is the 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 fun element, right? Because you come on the platform practical, great. You come on the platform to watch the content, great. But what makes you come back on the platform beyond the events, right? So would love to understand a little bit what how you're how you guys are working on that space. Like what are you interested in? Do you have like the Premier League has the fantasy Premier League? Do you have a huge uh fantasy league on your platforms? How do you handle day-to-day engagement? Would love to get a bit of an understanding of how you make that experience fun on top of the rest. It's is a really great question. Um because also you you want everything as you're right to be really brilliant functionally. Um, but then it's what engagement features are there on top of that. So um, we don't currently, certainly on our kind of England properties, have something equivalent to the Premier League fantasy game. We're looking at quite a few different gamification features um, and how we might start to introduce them. And we, just for um, the, the series, the World Cup actually, the Men's 50 Over World Cup, the end of last year introduced some um uh, analytical insight features into the website and app so they're kind of traditionally used by cricket fans so looking at um second innings when there's a when there's a chase how the second innings is faring compared with the first and um, pitch maps pitch maps so that you can see where um a batter's innings was hit around the ground. So lots of lovely little widgets and working with our, our partner, Crickviz, 
on introducing those as part of our coverage. So not only can you go as a fan and see what's actually happening in the game on a ball by ball basis, but then you can get some really good deep insight into how the innings is progressing, who's hit the most sixes, that kind of thing. Um, so that that's one element, but is much more likely to appeal um, to fans who've got a really deep understanding of the game. So the 100 is probably where we've experimented on some lighter touch features. Um, and there's one, one element um, called WinViz, where you can, at any point in the game, say who's winning. And there will be an algorithm that works out using lots of different data, um, state of the game, number of balls left, etc., um, which team is likely to win. So it's just a really, really simple yet effective tool um, that we have on the 100 app, but also have in ground. So it's that interaction between uh, what's happening digitally and what's happening on the big screen to really get crowd engagement going. Um, we have also run for the last couple of years um, a fantasy game for the 100, which is based on its premise of being an equal platform for men and women. So within the team, you have to have equal numbers of male and female players. Um, and we've been really quite surprised and pleasantly surprised by the amount of people who've continued with the game all the way through. So there's, there's blocks as per fantasy game, blocks of time, um, where you're putting your teams together. Um, but the, the percentage that carried on all the way through the, the competition, I mean, it's a kind of three, four week competition. So it's not asking them to be engaged for six months, but nonetheless has really caught the imagination of, of lots of people who weren't necessarily cricket fans previously. Um, lots of other things that we do. We we're using a tool, have used a tool called Jebit, which allows us to um, do lots of nice quizzes and polls and things, um, online, but, and also, a lot of what we do is really reliant on amplification from particularly our broadcast partners. So where we can do a tie up in terms of um, a few years ago now, I think we had a pick your kind of ultimate 11 um, England men's team. And that ran in conjunction with the BBC, BBC Sport being such a huge platform. Um, so thinking about where we can work together um, with our broadcast partners and obviously Sky primarily on the 100 as well as to some of these engagement elements. So going back to my kind of triangle of broadcast digital and in Stadia, how those three three things really work well together. And do you feel that, because that's a fundamental one, right? It's the centralized approach to grow, grow the global audience, whether you're the right holder, whether you're the broadcaster, whether you're the uh, in venue activation, do you feel like people are working well together on, the, uh, on that front in, in the cricket world? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think a really good example of how that's changed is when, when we hold kind of content gathering sessions with, um, players and we have our broadcast partners there, um, some of our commercial partners there, um, different media outlets are there. Um, once upon a time, I think there was probably a little bit of competition around people trying to do the same thing at those events. And now there's a really excellent collaboration to say, well, let's not all try to do the same thing. Um, we're going to work well together and then potentially share the output as well. So it's you get great content, good variety, and the ability to share it 
across partners and platforms too. Yeah, interesting. Um, and so we understand. So all those mechanisms lead to ultimately the the data capture, as you mentioned, as being one of the, the key elements here. Where are you at? So you set up the whole infrastructure to capture the data, get valuable data points. Where are you at in terms of the journey of using those data points efficiently to be able to segment your audiences, um, interconnect their 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 behaviors? Where do you stand in like using effectively all those data points that you're gathering? So we are reasonably progressed with that. Um, I think this is this is a huge area of focus for us now for the next couple of years in that we we're able to segment audiences really well. So we're able to tailor communications to them, particularly around CRM. Um, and we've been trialing functionality on um, just SMS updates and potentially looking at WhatsApp as well around that. So that's that's been a really great progress over the last couple of years um i mentioned personalization before that's definitely where this goes to the next level um and looking at kind of marketing automation technology and making that process more sophisticated is really where we need to go next so a lot of the infrastructure is in place in t- in terms of databases data warehouses data lakes even Um, But now it's really how we kind of harness all of that data and make it work harder for us. Um, So there's there's probably some joining up to do in terms of technology. um, And also when we kind of work together as a network as well, so that we're doing things at the same time. If there's a ticket on sale window, for example, um, for the Vitality Blast is a great example whereby we try to get all of our county partners joined up so that it's a single effort on the same day um, and then obviously has more impact in terms of awareness and visibility and hopefully then converting into um, ticket purchasing. Yep. Interesting. And, uh, and one last question on that data piece. It's advanced. You're looking to do more with it. On the other end, are your commercial partners interested in the in that segmentation and in, in those capabilities that you're building up, or are you still working with traditional partners that are about you know traditional kind of reach that you would get through a sport uh, like you had te- back ten years, fifteen years ago? Yeah, it's changed dramatically actually over the course of the last few years, and I suppose not only the the data element and and segmentation of the database, but also just digital rights in general. So all of the conversations now um, are much more enhanced in terms of it, it's it's not just kind of in-ground rights, but the whole package around what does that mean from a digital point of view. Um, so having exposure on the website, we have created um, or create quite a lot of content series with our partners. Um, and always trying to look at what's the most authentic thing that we can do here that looks at their values and objectives, looks at ECB's values and objectives and tries to to marry the two together um, so that you don't just end up with some commercial content that's been badged a bit randomly. Um, so they are very interested in the digital side and, yes, increasingly interested in how they can work with us and we can look at audiences together 
in terms of targeting. And there's been some some really great case studies actually over the last kind of year or so with um, Cinch um, on the England side in particular. Um, I think Robinsons and Sage and Compare the Market on the 100 side, they are partners who are brand new to cricket. So it's it's the format of the 100 and the excitement of it that has attracted um, some new partners into cricket. Um, and across the board, across the whole portfolio, the conversation is now much more focused on on digital as well. Yeah, that's interesting. And in this particular scenario, do you have one top of mind example of how a sponsor associated themselves to a digital initiative in a valuable way and, and, and on some outputs that you would be proud of uh, presenting to the to our audience? Um, I think we've had some really, yeah, really interesting um, new ways of looking at things. So the, the the Cinch series from from the last couple of years has been kind of conversations in cars. So we've got, it sounds really simple in terms of premise, but two cricketers either driving um, around in a, in a Cinch car having a conversation um, or driving off to actually a local cricket club um, to get involved in some volunteering um, or generally just having a, a back and forth um, conversation, which makes for some great outtakes in terms of social media. Um, but then we've also been able to run some competitions um, on the back of that content, um, which has led to um, great conversion, actually, of, of our audiences then, then through to car purchase. Yeah, nice. Nice. Yeah. Th th those real life ex examples are always the ones that are most relevant, right? Because when you can associate it to something that has worked, it's, it's always easier to conceptualize it. Um, well, look, we work on data, uh, at, 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 at La Source and the corner. So we know that the best episodes are the ones that stick within the 40 minutes time frame. Um, so we're almost getting there. Just a few questions. So what, what can we, or a few, few, yeah, questions to, or topics to conclude this. Um, What can we wish for you in the upcoming years in terms of the development of your strategy? Where would you like to be two, three years from now if we had a follow-up? I think I'd like to see some of these um, automation elements be live and working well, not just at ECB, but across the, across the network. Um, AI is obviously something that probably gets mentioned every week on, on the podcast. Um, and so working increasingly um, with partners, whether that's generative AI on the content side or we um, we work with a partner to create automated highlights as well. So I'm expecting um, more of that to be in play um, to enhance our, our content offering actually, but also hopefully provide a, a, a little bit of efficiency too. So um, that's, that's important. I think I'm also just hopeful that we continue to have such a great team culture. So it's really important to me that we have great people who are happy working in this area, um, which I've been absolutely privileged to have had over the last four years. Um, and I think the results that we've achieved are, are testament to having a great team. That's what I actually had this question. I forgot to ask it <coughs> as you were introducing yourself you have five core pillars in your organizations how many people in your scope uh which you mentioned how many people work under your uh, on your team so including customer support it's about 35 
35. So it is a so very significant sizable team. Yeah. Sizable team, yes. When you break it up, I guess it gets smaller, but, uh, but exactly. uh, it's a good number. It's a broad, broad remit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and if we'd like to ask if you would like to recommend a book, a series, a movie that you watched recently, whether it inspired you professionally or just personally, um, do you have any good? recommendation for our for our audience well it's a book that is actually still on my list as i haven't read it yet but it is serena Wiegmann's book on leadership that i am very much looking forward to reading because i think it's going to be very inspirational interesting um and in terms of potential guests for us we like to get recommendations of good people from the industry pre introducing us to good ones who would be nice people for us to have a chat with So I've got a, a couple of suggestions um, and I don't know if you have already had them on the podcast previously. So apologies if so, but um, Fiona Wood, who is at Little Dot Studios, she was previously head of digital um, at the ECB when I joined. Um, so had the had the privilege of working with Fiona um, for about 18 months. And Claudia Mestre Moreno at Team GB, who I met at an event in the second half of last year Um, she was, I was really impressed with her. She was really interesting. Which uh, sector does she work in? She's Claudia? Team GB. But which, uh, which department? Like oh, which marketing, top? I think. Marketing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. Terrific. Well, um, we'll surely reach out to them to see if they're interested in participating as well. But, uh, but thank, thanks very much for your time, Alison. It was super insightful. Um, I always look at cricket as one of the rare sports that I don't understand that much. I just understand it's very broken up. So hearing from the inside that people are starting to work together, at least uh, within competitions, is very interesting. Um, so, yeah, really appreciate your time. Absolute pleasure. We'll have to get you down for a game. Surely, I'll, I'll, I'll take that invitation. And if I can invite an English mate, I'm sure they'll be twice as excited as me. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, thanks a lot, Allison. Thank you, everyone, for listening to us. If you like the episode, don't hesitate to like, share, talk about it around you, um, and see you soon for another episode. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoy it as much as we love creating them. If you like the episode, feel free to comment, rate, and share with people around you. You can visit our website, www.lastsource.io, to learn more about our activities. You will discover a wide range of articles and can subscribe to our newsletter to receive the latest tech and sports news in your mailbox every month. Stay tuned for new episodes. Le Corner.